0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Emerging Excellence. Today we have a very special guest joining us, the fabulous Miranda Swift. And you're making this podcast a dream team today, Miranda, because we have three generations on the podcast. So representing Gen Z, we have Miranda. Um, I'm, of course, a millennial. And Brett, are you baby boomer? Is that what we're putting you in? Oh, my God. No, I'm no, not that old. Oh,
1: my goodness. No, 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 no. I'm Just Gen checking. X, I think. Oh, Gen my X, God. Gen X. I'm an old person, X, y, yeah, but I'm not
0: that old. <laughs> Great. Well, I'm glad we've established that early on. We've got three generations in the in the podcast today. Miranda, you are a very impressive person. You are kickstarting your engineering career with a bang. So you're currently doing a double degree in civil engineering, bachelor's and master's at Charles Sturt University. You are an engineer with Northrop. You've started your own thing to inspire the next generation of, of engineers. I don't know if there's anything you haven't done yet. You've been flying to New Zealand, speaking about women in construction. It's super, super impressive. And we're thrilled that you said yes to joining us today. So very warm welcome to you.
2: Thanks, Felicity. I'm excited to be here. Awesome.
0: Well, Brett, do you want to start with the first question? I always seem to get the first one. So I'm going to throw you in in the deep end this morning. And uh, what what's your kickoff question for Miranda?
1: Miranda, tell us the why. Why do you do what you do? Oh, big question to start.
2: Um, I actually talk about the why a bit when I speak or, um, yeah, I guess when I get involved in things. Um, For me, the why I feel like is obviously like I'm not sure like how much you've seen, but a, a lot for me is the why is to give other girls the opportunity to do what I've done. So I grew up in regional New South Wales and um, where I grew up, not not a lot of people or not a lot of yeah not a lot of young people um pursue further education um there's not a lot of opportunities there there's no university um there is TAFE and not many people see through leaving the town when they graduate um so for what for me and my career and working in Sydney working in engineering like um doing what I do it's extremely uncommon it's it's uncommon um sometimes think some of the things I do for someone my age, but it's even more uncommon for where from where I came from. So there's a lot of the young people there that will like message me and reach out to me like I'm like I'm a celebrity, but it's just because it, it's not common. So when I like take on opportunities or see an opportunity for other people to do what I'm doing, um I'd say yeah, that's most mostly my why. I feel like construction. Um, and engineering is such a big beast. and there's so many opportunities for young people who have gone through adversity or young people who don't have opportunities to to grab onto that, I guess, and get out. Um, and i I just like bringing light to that, I suppose, and showing them that if I can do it, you can do it too.
1: So how would you how would you describe how you started on the journey? So I mean, obviously there's the, there's the where you grew up and all that type of stuff like I grew up in central Queensland I was the first person in my family to um ever go to university and get a degree and all that type of stuff um and I sort of just you know I thought this is what I want to do talk us through you know for you how did you start to the realization that you know you actually need to do something or want to do something just for you obviously but then how did that groundswell sort of give you the drive to continue? If in fact it did.
2: Yeah, so when I was in school, this is actually a funny story. <laughs> Felicity, um, Felicity has a, um, started a non for profit called The Power of Engineering. And when I was in year nine, um, 15, that actually came to my school. And someone from Seymour White spoke at my school about engineering. And I was in the audience, and there's a photo of me actually when I was 15 and that was the first time i ever heard about what engineers do what engineering was what construction was and we actually got to go out to site near my house near my um yeah in my hometown it was a road redevelopment and like that i would like say <clears throat> is like that's why i was interested in engineering that's why i was like oh this is pretty cool but it's so funny because when i reflect back it wasn't like oh um I love construction or I love the idea of engineering. It was like that this female that came in spoke to us so confidently in her steel cap boots. And she was like, she's like, yeah, I like, I'm going to run the world. Like girls run the world. Like let's do this. And there was just, she was the only one on her side. And it was just like, I was like, yeah, I want to be like that. Um, <laughs> So for me, like, that was my, like, I want to, I want to be like that. Like the unspoken power, I guess of, killing it in a male-dominated career and, like, breaking that norm. Um, And from there, yeah, I just was like, that's what I'm going to do and actually went on and did work experience about six months after at an engineering firm about 45 minutes from my house. And um, on the last day of work experience when I was 16, the director actually offered me a job um, as a structural draftee. And, yeah, I just didn't – that was it. I used to catch the bus. I finished my um, year 10 exams early and I used to get on the bus every day and go to the engineering firm and draft um, residential slabs. Yeah, and it just went from there. And I was like, yep, this is what I'm supposed to do. So cool. I totally forgot about that Power of Engineering event. Um, And, of
0: course, there's even a photo of us together from, whatever, 10 years ago. And it's so so wild to think that, you know, something that an idea – then turns into reality, then turns into someone like yourself being this game changer in the industry, making stuff happen. It's super cool. And particularly in regional areas, I think it's so important that we get the message out to regions as well. Uh, As you shared, not many people. uh, I don't know if anyone else is getting on the bus going to an engineering firm. Uh, For you, Miranda, was it, did you start to see, oh, okay, I can make a difference, I can contribute, and it kind of snowballed from there and that you wanted to do more and then kind of give back? Do you think there was internal drivers that made that happen or was it did your confidence get built as you saw the results that you were getting along the way
2: I think honestly I was most confident when I was that 16 year old <laughs> and I had I used to wear like bright pink socks to work and my uncle's old steel cap boots and like that was peak confidence to be honest like I used to go as I got a little bit older, like 17, 18, I would go out on site with engineers and like um go and do dilapidations and things like that. And oh, that was like peak confidence. Like I would go and have a chat to the tradies and like when you're working in Sydney in construction, like that's like, it's a little bit different to walk out on site with a confident 16 year old. Like, what do you mean? Um, So I would say I was very confident then. Uh, I think it was just like my personality, Um, but getting into like helping people and, making change um yeah through my like senior years I didn't have like the easiest time and I went through a lot in my personal life um I actually was working um at a takeaway shop and I tutored math as well and I yeah it just was a really tough time but I always clung on to how much I loved My job at the engineering firm, I clung on to how empowering that was and how engineers can change the world. And I just like really clung on to that. So when I resumed there full time after my HSE and I jumped straight into being like a cadet before I even started uni, And I was just like, wow, like, this is, this, like, got me through. Like, I wouldn't have finished the HSC if I didn't have this. Um, So I automatically was like, why, like, everyone should have this. Like, everyone should have, like, that thing to grab onto. Because I seriously think, like, it's like, no matter what you go through, like, if you have that goal to get to and you have this incredible industry and career, like it, it's such a, a drive and such a motivator and like there's so many incredible supportive people in the industry like it's yeah so that's where I was like okay how can I get other people to experience this and break through their adversity.
1: Marinda do you see yourself as a leader in the industry? That's a hard question <laughs> right but like the whole reason that this podcast exists is for is is for Felicity and I to, say, to talk about leadership, right? And there's a whole range of different ways that people lead. But, I mean, when I was researching you, you know, getting ready for today, you're everywhere on socials and all that type of stuff, right? And I say that the greatest amount of respect. And as I said to you before, I was a little bit intimidated by that in getting ready for this conversation because I've never had that voice that you espouse and that you actually demonstrate to live every single day. So my question is, do you see yourself as a leader in the in the sector or in in the industry and the second question is what does that mean for you and is there a burden with that
2: so about six months ago when I started just like being more known I would say or more like present on socials um someone emailed me to speak at their event and then they're like as a leader in the industry and I was like, went to my coworker, and I was like, "What do you mean? Like, that's hold on a minute. I'm 21. Like, I ain't even like, I got a uni assignment due next week. Like, I'm not a leader." Um, and I actually went through this like whole thing, like even talking to like HR at my work, talking about what, does that, what does that mean? Um, because obviously for me in my life, I've always been like a leader. That's the director. That's the CEO. Like that's my boss. Like I'm not a boss. Um. But yeah, I I kind of came to the conclusion that, and had this chat with so many people that it was like I'm I'm a a leader in my age bracket, um in in what I do in my industry. So like, and I, and I've realised that even more. Like I'll get messages from younger people being like, "How do you do that? Like, what do you do? Like, um." sometimes they sound. they think I'm intimidating I'm like oh no like let's go out for a drink like I'm not I'm just 21 like 22 now but (laughs) um (laughs) and I'm like yeah so I I came to the the mental thing that I'm like perhaps I'm leading my in my area I'm leading as a, a young person in construction that's studying I don't know um yeah that's where I came to it and does it does it come with um weight Or, like, how does that make me feel? Yeah, it comes with a lot of, yeah, it's come with a lot of, um, I've had to learn a lot about being identified as a leader and people looking up to me and people following me, I suppose. It comes with a weight where people put you on a pedestal um, and they think she's invincible, like, she's perfect, like, she's carrying all that, like, I know her. I saw her post on LinkedIn twice last week. I know who she is. I heard her speak. I heard about her working at this engineering firm I know who she is and she's she's perfect like and it comes with this like yeah this this pedestal I guess and I've spoken about it a little bit in my social media and my speeches but it's been really hard for me to be be vulnerable and be real but also keep that level of you don't actually know me but also you know show them that I'm not perfect but keep it separated from my personal life and just being 21 and yeah so it's yeah it's quite a learning curve
1: it's quite funny because I I, you know when I was growing up there's socials weren't around I mean the internet wasn't even around and although I'm not a baby boomer I am still quite old as we all know Um, but I think that the thing that I, I was just most I guess in awe of was your it's almost like and I'll say this the wrong way your willingness to just have a voice, you know. I mean, I've got a thirteen-year-old son, and, and and you know, I I just look at people like you, Miranda. Or I look at what you're doing. I look at a whole range of other people who are Gen Zers or Millennials. The the ability for you to all or to to all have a voice, whether that's a collective voice or an individual voice, is so much more than when I was growing up, right? And I think you know, when we were talking offline, we were talking about what that means from a recruitment perspective. And Felicity and I have spoken about this before. Is there needs to be more of a dialogue now about what organisations are offering, given not only that it's a tight market, but that there is this expectation of of those people who are wanting to, you know, come and work for you. Talk to us about what that means for you in respect of having a voice, what your expectations are of a, of a potential employer, that type of stuff. Talk to us about that.
2: Yeah. So for me, it's it's so interesting when we talk about um, how now we both have to have that conversation about what we both want. Because for me, like, that's always been, like, uh, obviously I'm younger and it's always it's always been a way where there's no, there's not a real talent pool in our industry at the moment. Like, it's very small. So there has to be a two-way conversation about what we want. And it's retaining Gen Zs and attracting them. Like, it's a whole thing. Um, For me, having a voice and being vulnerable and genuine to some extent, it... It hasn't been like a um how do I like word this? It hasn't been because you look at it and you're like, oh, what's it what's it like having always like getting that voice, whatever. I, I don't see it as that. I see it as I'm just being me, doing what I want to do. And for me it's I wanna I wanna be genuine, I wanna be someone people can look to and it's real and and someone who gone through a lot in my life that people can be like, oh, if she's done it, I've done it. Just like I said before. So for me, it's not even necessarily like, oh, I'm a leader with a huge voice in the industry. It's like I'm just being Miranda and I hope people come along for the ride. Um, and I hope people follow and take notes and like um, are a better, I guess. And I guess that I hope the industry is better for it. Um, from a like recruiting perspective, it's so interesting watching people try to recruit me for that or communicate with me, like, um, you know, employers trying to pull me in. That happens, like, all the time now on LinkedIn. It's crazy. People, like, going at it on LinkedIn. But obviously because I'm, yeah, I have quite a platform. Um, But for me, it's, like, not even about the organisation as a whole. It's obviously it is. But for me it's about the management level and the people I have a direct relationship with, that's what's attractive to me in an employer. And I think that's what's attractive for Gen Z. It's having genuine connection and relationships with your manager. Like we don't see the directors and CEOs every day. We don't sit next to them at work. We report to talk to our manager. So having a genuine connection and relationship and a manager that's not against telling you that you're doing great, a manager that can be vulnerable, a manager that is a person and a human to you, I think that's where it's at. And I actually think it's quite rare, um, from my experience anyway, where you have this, yeah, this genuine back and forth relationship and they have this, like, unspoken leadership skill where they can be like, you're doing a great job, you're an undergrad, but I just want to say, like, amazing work. Because, yeah, sometimes people are afraid of doing that. And I think, for me, that's the most attractive thing. That's awesome. It can definitely relate to leaving
0: places because not having that relationship. And I think it often gets overlooked in leadership where it is that middle management that can make a big influence. How do we make more people like you, Miranda? How do we get young people taking initiative, stepping up into leadership? What would be your advice for if, you know, if you are a young person listening to this or if you are a middle manager, how do you bring that out and draw that out of people and develop that initiative in leaders?
2: Wow, that's, like, a big question. I'm not sure, to be honest. I think I I often, like, sometimes I think, and and it's funny that we're having this, like, conversation because, and I said to you, Felicity, I actually have taken a month off, Um, you know, got, like, being out there and LinkedIn and things like that, it's interesting when you're like, how can we get more like young people to do that and take that role and take that leadership position? It's not easy. And sometimes like the negatives outweigh the positives. Like I've had to make a lot of sacrifices to do what I do. Um, And even when I say I'm inspiring regional girls to follow my footsteps, there are a lot of personal sacrifices you have to make even coming from a country town like that to get to here, you have to you have to move away from your family and your friends. Um, you have to work really hard to mo- to move and be away from that. Um, so when you it's so interesting, they say, like how could we get more? I think I think a lot of I actually don't know, to be honest, because I'm just like this it's so, it is so hard, and it's like um, such a huge thing to put yourself out there. And it takes a lot it takes a lot of courage. And it's something that I've yeah, taking a hit on probably now where I'm like, okay, I need to step away. Um because yeah, even the the constant the messages and the the people, the hundreds and hundreds of people, like um I I was in a, a magazine and two hundred and fifty thousand people saw that and it was constant like messages and like like someone had given someone else my number and just like it's just like so much um so I I don't really know like when you when you talk about it like yeah I I actually I don't know I mean I think a start if if you have a young person that has ideas or passion to make change support them and let them have a voice listen to them and take them seriously been very lucky to have high up people take me very seriously at a very young age, I think that's a huge thing. And I guess just support them. Um, I have unconditional support from my workplace and my team and my colleagues in everything I do. So that's a huge thing that some people aren't privileged enough to have.
1: I think as you were talking there, Miranda, one of the things that I, I sort of thought about in the reflection of the question is, Actually being able to talk about how difficult it is is a really important part of, of what we're talking about here, right? Now, you know, one of the things that Felicity and I have spoken about for a long period now over these podcasts is in order to be a leader, you need to be able to understand self. You can't lead others before you lead self. And so when I heard, you know, you you, you said you stepped away for a month or something, I think that's a really important thing for us to all realise is that leadership is not easy, whether it's a conscious decision, it happens by chance, whether it's just, as you said, Miranda, just wanting to make a difference for yourself and for others, you know, from home. I, I think this, this this constant pressure of leadership is actually really, really hard. doesn't matter what level you are. And I think if we don't understand that leadership comes at a price, and, you know, Felicity and I have spoken about being a boss can be really, really, really lonely, right? Really, really lonely. I think unless we start opening up about that and saying it's hard, it's tough, it's you know, and we're all vulnerable. I think it's going to be a really difficult challenge for anyone to to achieve. Felicity, what do you think about that?
0: Yeah, totally agree. I think um, there's the the shiny face of leadership, what it looks like from the outside. And as a young person, I had a desire to be a leader, but I don't think I really understood fully what that meant. And I think uh, similar to you, Miranda, the deeper I've gone into it, I've gone, oh, wow, actually there's a lot, there's a lot here. And there's, you know, leading yourself, there's dealing with, um, you know, people saying not nice things to you, making the tough call, uh, there's that, you know, you've got to take the the good times with the bad. Sometimes, you know, mistakes happen or things don't go as well. And as a leader, I think, you know, that's your role to take responsibility for, um, you know, for whatever that is, as well as um, celebrating the win. So there's so much in it. And I, in some ways, I think I'm glad I didn't know all of that because for me, leadership was definitely driven by my why and desire to make change. So I was, I'm was, i actually kind of glad I was naive about it. And now that I've dipped my toe in the water <laughs> of leadership, there's so much for me to learn still. I, I think it, I can really embrace it and go, okay, I'm now making that choice to lead, to go, yeah, it is hard and there's a really big impact I want to make. So that's okay that it's hard. Personally, I love a challenge and I don't like being bored. So I'm excited about that challenge of leadership. But, you know, really hats off to you, Miranda, taking a month off. I have to say I've never done that, uh, except when I had babies, had children, that was my um switch off for maybe six weeks. Um, And I, you know, it, and I think that takes real courage and self-discipline uh, so you're very much more disciplined than I am there, Miranda. But I think it's so important to talk about the challenges. And we have this great, you know, social media that looks like, look, I'm on holidays and my life's amazing all the time. It's hard to talk about the challenges and and have a conversation for that, I think. So, yeah, really admirable,
1: Miranda. Miranda, have you got any questions for us?
2: <laughs> I don't, I, I can't think of anything. Like, I, I don't, I don't know.
1: What do you think? Okay, let me throw one back at you then. What do you think as a, so I'm an older CEO. um, I've been around for a long, long time. I'm Gen X, not baby boomer. (laughs) What would you say to somebody like, sorry, what would you say to somebody (laughs) like me um, about what you expect from a leader? And you sort of touched on it before with your direct managers, you know, that type of stuff. But how can I... And how can people like me, how can we make it better, the world that we live in from a work perspective?
2: I think, like I did touch on this before, a huge thing and a huge thing I commend my workplace Northrop for is listening to me. Like I I started there 18 months ago. I I got the job when I was like, I think I was 18 or no, 19 perhaps. And like just being listened to and heard and like like I have a direct relationship with the managing partners and the previous CEO which is huge like I just came from I was just I'm an undergrad that came from a small country town to Northrop by chance getting that job and from day dot you'll listen to and heard and you have a relationship with them, like they're people. And I know that in a larger organisation that may not be the case because you like, oh, my gosh, if there's, like, thousands of people, how can you have a relationship with thousands of people? But, yeah, from a small, like, directors and, yeah, just listening to your young people and managers listening to them, like, do they have an idea on how to make this better? Do they have – um an idea in like a technical space like sustainability like do they have an idea in marketing like just let them shine like let them go maybe it's not good maybe it's going to be bad but just listen to them um and let them have a voice I think that's a huge huge thing and also the the generational gap at the moment that we see in construction um I I feel like maybe you're not it doesn't in like you're obviously not classified in this because you're in, you're in a podcast interviewing me and talking about it, but there is a generational gap in my industry at the moment where it's like um, older men, I guess, and they're just stuck in what was construction and what was men being builders on site. um, And, yeah, I guess cancel that and and be an active bystander and stand up for that. Um, and yeah, and just listen to your juniors. I would say. I would love your thoughts on that, Brett.
1: Oh, look. Uh, I mean, Miranda, you've just hit home on so many fronts with me. I remember when Michael and and uh, Felicity asked me to do the podcast. I, I I remember saying, "Why me?" I mean, I'd never done a bod- podcast. I mean, look, I, in my in my different roles, I've been really fortunate to have really senior roles, work with some great people, and I've done a whole lot of live TV, live radio, and a whole range of stuff like that. Right. But when, when when something, when Felicity and, and Michael said, well, you've got a voice, um, you've got a different perspective, we want you to, to do the podcast, which is exactly what you're saying, listening, right, um, and do something different, I, I really freaked out about it. But the one thing I've learned, I've learned about this is great thing about social media, and this can also be a negative, is it's actually can be there for posterity. And so what What I find is that I learn something every single time we do a podcast, you know, from Felicity or from the guests. And and I mean, in, in the building and construction sector, and I've been lucky enough to work in it for quite some time, I hear exactly what you're saying, Miranda, about, you know, we need to redefine what it is to be a leader in the building and construction sector. And the only way that we can really do that is not to be patronising, but to really hit the conversation front on if that makes sense and so you know challenging the status quo I think is really really important I try and do that every single day sometimes I get it right sometimes I don't but oh yeah Felicity I I, I love what Miranda said and I think we could all do better by just simply saying what do you think as opposed to this is what we will do
2: yeah I am um, like something that I talked about a few weeks ago on my LinkedIn or maybe a couple of months ago now actually um was a I met a lady who's a director um, very high up at an architecture firm and we just happened to be on a panel at an event together and she invited me on her company table to the like um, a, a lunch with the New South Wales Premier. And for me, I was like, oh, my gosh, like what the heck? Um, for her, that's like in Sydney as a high-up person – she actually like she's been there before like and it was it was at a core cool stadium and I was just like in constant awe like I was I felt intimidated and I was like oh my gosh like I was literally in the room having lunch amongst not just like um industry leaders these leaders of like my state my country and I was in there like oh, my god this is the coolest thing ever like in constant awe and I talked about it on my LinkedIn and I was like if you get like if you get if you're high up and you get a ticket to an event and you have a spare ticket like stop taking your your like guy pals that's the CEO that sits next to you or your director like to get business or to talk about this or whatever go and, like, grab one of your cadets that's like working so hard in the other room to just even be seen um, and take them with you. Because for me, I was sitting there in constant awe and one of the ladies that are on the table also, um, someone in the property sector said to me like your bright eyes like made me remember like that I have to be grateful to be there. She's like, I go to events like that often and I just, it's just like a. It's on my calendar. Like it's a chore. Like I just go there again. And she's like, like she's like she was like, keep bright eyed and keep speaking about it because like you forget, um, like how incredible that is. Or like yeah, and it, it, yeah, it's so interesting. Um, but yeah, I was just like, take your cadets, take your undergrads, like take your drafties, like take someone who doesn't usually get to go or may never get to go. So powerful. There's, it used to remind me of, it's one of the,
0: you know, things we often do in our programs is we connect emerging leaders with executive teams. And often people in the program don't even know the names of some of the executives in their company and they've never met them before. And providing that opportunity to just show what is it like to present at an executive leadership team? What are the things they think about? How do you get by and how do you get ideas across? It was so powerful to give that feedback in such a safe environment and I love that you just go for those opportunities Miranda and, and you reminded me of um, a few years ago I was asked by my local member to be part of this Queensland uh, Campbell Newman had just come in he was a new premier he was doing this summit around shaping Queensland and Yeah, my local member asked me to come along and I was like, oh, my gosh, you want my ideas? What are you talking about? Again, I felt really intimidated and they flew up to Mackay or somewhere and it was this big conference hall. And I happened to be at the same table as Campbell Newman and everyone there was much older than me on my table. And there was a spare seat next to where Campbell Newman was going to sit. And I said, oh, has anyone taking this seat? And everyone said, oh, no, no, that's next to Campbell. And I was like, awesome, I'm going to take that seat. And so I sat down, I was like, I get the whole event sitting next to Campbell Newman. And, you know, I'm a bit biased, he is a civil engineer. So I, of course, think he was great. And I worked at council for a number of years and so loved all the big infrastructure projects I got to work on. And it was just, and I was like, what is it like being premier? And he said to me, Um, It's pretty interesting because one day you're dealing with crocodiles up in North Queensland eating people and then the next day you've got an issue in the city of Brisbane and it was such a good conversation I learnt so much but it really surprised me that out of this group of really senior people no one was willing to take that seat next to him and you seem like someone Miranda who jumps at opportunities to say yeah I'm going to go do it even if you might be afraid. And I think the other part of it too is when you speak, I speak to a lot of leaders, they're open to opening the door for young people to come in at and they, they say that, but people don't actually put themselves forward and put their ideas forward.
2: Yeah, and I, like? I spoke about this in New Zealand actually. I, I spoke at the uni of University of Canterbury and, like, we're talking about bringing your whole self and all of this. And um, I just, like, think that people forget they're just humans, like, and when you get to a position of leadership or like uh, higher up, um, you yeah you stop being as grateful for things because it's more a part of your role and more of a chore, and and also yeah, juniors look at that and they and they think like forget that you're just a human, um. And I spoke about this in New Zealand a lot. And he, like even at that lunch again, I was next to a very senior developer and I was just being Miranda and I made a comment about the food because obviously you go to lunches like that and it's so bougie and I was like wow like someone bring me out a schnitzel like and the guy next to me was like he's very senior and he was like yeah you said you're from Lithgow like it's coming out (laughs) and I was like oh a bit of banter like love it but like they're just humans like don't be yeah don't be intimidated and if you if you say something wrong or mess up, like, again, like they're going home to their families. Like you both have families. Like it doesn't matter. Like who cares?
1: Do, do you know what? I've written down three words, and Miranda and Felicity will know this. I, I, I'm an action-driven person, right? And I've said before that I learn everything, something from every single one of these. Some of the most important things I've ever heard, and I really mean this most sincerely, keep bright-eyed. I've written those three words down because you said that. And it's funny. We've talked a lot over the last number of months about the hardness of being a leader, the difficulties of being a leader, the chores of being a leader. But as you said those three words before, and you just reflected on it just then, Miranda, there is a lot of joy. There is a lot of positivity. There is some gratitude that we often forget to take as leaders, right? Those three words, are, they're brilliant. Honestly, they are brilliant. and and we should all keep focused on the positives, not just the negatives, right? And so I've literally written those down. They will form part of something that I do in the organisation. And I don't know what it will be, but it's a really important thing. Every single conversation that we have, every single thing that we engage with as leaders can have a positive or a negative impact. Those three words, keep bright eyed, are with me forever. Thank you, Miranda. Honestly, that's just brilliant. I love that.
2: That's like really cool. I think I think for me it's, like, I, I, like, think that and I, like, I feel extra grateful and, like, I feel deep gratitude every time I go to a thing like that because, like, it's just unheard of where I'm, like, I grew up in Lithgow. Like, it's unheard of, like, and it's, like, my parents never, like, my my dad will call me and be, like, can I get your autograph? I'm, like, oh, dad, stop that. <laughs> But it's just like it's just unheard of. So when I go and sit in a boardroom in a core stadium, I'm like this this is literally what like this is something like sixteen year old marina couldn't have even dreamt of. I couldn't have even envisioned it. And I think like having like bringing in regional girls and like that, I think it's like, that's what the perspective is. like we are it's just so grateful to like be a part of this. like i I even like going to, um, a developer meeting the other day for a project with my manager and I was just sitting there like like a bug eye just like watching and listening and I walked out and I was like just like starstruck by the incredible people in this meeting and my manager's like oh come on Randall. like it's just a job like and I was like are you kidding like it's it just like that's huge like that development that you know, I'm sitting in uh, for an hour after lunch is bigger than my bloody hometown and i get to be a part of it and i get to listen to the most remarkable engineers and developers and and i was just like like come on like that's insane
1: leadership is all all about the frame right honestly i I cannot believe how important those three words like my head's spinning at the moment um because felicity we've spoken a lot over the last number of months about how hard it is to be a leader right Yep. and like an upcoming topic and Felicity and I've been talking about an upcoming to- topic topic I said to Felicity I've got the next topic for, for you know from my perspective and it's about when is it time to move on that's the negative connotation right <laughs> like we should really start to think about how we how we can frame some further conversations about the great stuff of being a leader keep bright-eyed I love it
0: Totally. And it's so refreshing, I think, getting that perspective. And Miranda, I love your text messages when awesome things happen with all the emojis. and Oh, my God, this just happened. And it's so it lightens up my day and inspires me to keep going. And recently I was at a conference also in New Zealand and there was a Gen Z presenting and she was talking about the future of infrastructure. And she said... You know, these things were built 100 years ago and now they're reaching their design life and now my generation's stuck with them. What are we going to do? We need to think differently. We need to be more sustainably. And I thought, oh, my gosh, I am not thinking about this. I'm not thinking about what am I leaving, you know, what infrastructure projects have I worked on, what roads have I built, What, you know, that long-term piece. And she's younger than me and thinking so much further ahead and so I think it's any conversation you're having with um, someone new in the industry, you just get such a fresh perspective. And I love that, Miranda, bringing along somebody to an event. So I'm going to take that on, too, when I'm, you know, finding someone, you know, going to one of my let's say bougie lunches. I love that. Brett, you've probably been to a few bougie lunches. I'm going to certainly not as French.
1: certainly not as a public sermon. No, that's absolutely right. <laughs> not, absolutely not. But uh, maybe it, it may or may not be alleged. I was um I was able to enjoy some of those when I was in the consulting world many many years ago. <laughs> but you know what, they are a chore at times, right? And it's the frame through which, like when when I was in the consulting world, I used to have to do a whole lot of business development, and I hated it. But Miranda, if you change the view or the frame through which you're looking at it you know, rather than saying it's a chore to go to a business development thing, I get to talk with people about what they do. I get to talk with people about what's inspiring them, right? It really is such an important frame shift. I, I, I'm, I'm blown away. I think you need, you need to seriously understand that. Keep I think eye. like, I think you do have to,
2: yeah, obviously, like at the start, I did speak about the weight and things like that. Yeah. So you can't you can't be I, I think you do have to you have to think about both. So I'm very transparent in the fact that it does weigh heavy and it's hard keeping up with my technical career with keynote speaking and having a a public um a public limelight, I guess. Um and it and it's really it's hard. And sometimes it is hard to be positive and it's hard to be optimistic. Like um, even in New Zealand um I got sick halfway through being in New Zealand and I still had to deliver another speech. And yeah, I have to be honest. Like it is hard. It's a heavy weight and it does take a toll on your body. But I guess like, you know, grounding yourself and being like, hold on a minute. I've been flown to New Zealand to speak to the most remarkable people in their construction industry. Like how incredible. And I, and that was where I made the call. I I get through this and I soak this up as much as I can. And then I go home and I have a month off and I just be 22 in Sydney with my friends for a month and just, like, I just moved here. I'm like, I'm just going to be Miranda and then I'm going to regroup. And it's it's literally like ten days in, and I'm like messaging some people in my network, like I have the best idea, like we're yeah, well I've I have such a good idea, like we're gonna do this, like who's free, like let's get coffee, like um oh my god, I got this like scholarship idea, blah blah. So obviously I can't help it, but just resetting and identifying that you do need a break and having confidence that my platform's still gonna be there when I get back. Like we don't have to rush. I love
0: that. I wish we could talk for longer, but we. Are about at times and miranda i wanted to ask you one final question Brett, feel free to have a final question too but i'd love to know as someone who is a leader in in what you're doing what do you see is in our future what do you see the future holds big question i know uh you're already doing so much you're studying you're working you're starting your own organization could be the future for you but yeah what do you see is the
2: future I don't know. I think it's a really exciting time to do what I do. And it's an exciting time to be an engineer. Like i am learned out in engineering a lot in this, but um, I really hope that um, our, our industry changes. I think it's really hard at times and there's lots of things that need to change. So I hope that we start to see change because there are a lot of change makers and a lot of people working hard to make a more diverse, inclusive and safe industry. Um and I hope that we start to see change and I hope we start to see more people investing and being generous with their money to those who actually need it. I'm I'm pretty like fed up with seeing old rich men floating around construction. So I hope they start to like open their wallets a bit and start to help others. Love it. Any final questions from you, Brett?
1: No. I I that sums everything up. Brilliant. No, no, no. Honestly. No. (laughs) I've loved this.
0: I've loved it. I love the big smile on your face, Brett. Mm. I've got one too. So does Miranda. Mm. You've been awesome. It's been such a privilege to spend this time speaking with you. I'm excited for the future and I'm excited that you're a leader in it. And I'm so uh, happy that we actually went to Lithgow that day and shared about engineering. And total shout out to Energy Australia, who are our partners who helped us get into that region and deliver those events. I think it's so important that. We increase diversity, not just gender, but also things like regional as well. And um, I look forward to more exciting text messages from you, Miranda, with all your (laughs) wins along the way. You're absolutely someone to watch. And thanks for making such a positive contribution so early in your career.
2: You've been amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me.